Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. What's the name of that magic grass from China that everyone is talking about? Juncao is a breed of grass that President Xi Jinping highly recommends. The plant is a highly resilient and ecologically friendly crop that can be used to cultivate mushrooms and feed animals. Since Juncao was introduced as the part of China's South-South cooperation more than two decades ago, it has effectively alleviated poverty and preserved the environment in the over 100 countries where the grass is farmed. And the story continues. In March, a China Pacific Island country's Juncao Technology Demonstration Center has been opened in Fiji to expand the project. As a matter of fact, Juncao is only one example of Chinese international aid. It has been more than 70 years since China started its foreign aid and international development cooperation. There are great achievements, but also loud criticisms. So how does China's international aid differ from the conventional ones? What success stories and lessons that we have witnessed and why do Western media hype Chinese projects as so-called dead traps, while farmers in Africa hail rice planted with Chinese assistance, a debt eraser. Welcome to a special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin, on China's international aid. I'm pleased to be joined from Beijing by Professor Liu Haifang, Director of the Center for African Studies at Peking University, from Rabat, Morocco, by Dr. Nasser Buchiba, President of Africa-China Cooperation Association for Development, or ACAD, and from South Africa, Ambassador Gerd Johannes Grobler, former senior diplomat of South Africa. The warmest welcome to all of you, to the point. Professor Liu, let me start with you. President Xi was the uh, governor of Fujian province 20 years ago, and he made, an, made it an official aid project in Papua New Guinea of Juncao. He also told the story of Juncao, which never gets burned in a bushfire. So why Juncao works magic and has become a face of Chinese foreign aid? Thank you, Liu Xin, for inviting me. As far as uh, I know, uh, this is, has been very interestingly uh, uh, transferred to African many countries. And uh, uh, with those demonstration centers, for instance, the country I visited in Zambia, in South Africa, doing this magic, uh, as you said, uh, lots of people actually learn the skill and they, they enrich um, their way of uh, eating. And then it also saves lots of a budget in terms of, uh, for instance, the, 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 the restaurant need to buy from elsewhere to import for the luxury consumptions. But however, now with this technology, lots of small farmers, they are able to produce it. And then locally, uh, people also learn to eat it and then to tap into the global value chain. So in that way, it has been very interestingly accepted by local uh, uh, people as a new way of uh, uh, create uh, revenue as well as uh, also enrich their nutrition. Yeah. Thank you. So this is, um, in fact, different from the traditional foreign aid that people are familiar with. This is actually providing expertise, technology, know-how, um, 
you know, advice, technical training to help the local people alleviate themselves out of poverty. So tell us a bit the, about the concept, the Chinese concept about aid, uh, which is right now more called international development cooperation. Yeah, uh, in the beginning, uh, this kind of a Chinese aid has been rather different kind of a starting point from the Western way. Uh, we we uh, have this uh, foreign aid as a kind of a name uh, from the Western countries way back to uh, 1950s, which ended a big uh, plant called Marshall Plan in the beginning just to stimulate the European uh, area after the Second World War to be rejuvenated. But however, China's aid together with several other global southern countries immediately after three years of this Marshall Plan already started, but the nature is totally different. Uh, in terms of uh, the Western approach, this in the name foreign aid has been rather used of the Western country trying to control, to maintain the relationship, the former hegemonic relationship, or in another name, colonization, this kind of uh, continuations, and then still have their power influence among those uh, former colonial countries. So basically, this has been rather bilateral way to deliver their foreign aid until later 1960s, they start to embrace the new concept, uh, uh, which is international development, mm -hmm. development aid and a uh, development cooperation. And then this development firstly emerging as the con uh, as the uh, focus, one of the focus of this uh, Western approach. China's approach, uh, as I said, a rather starting, different starting point initially to help with other uh, global southern countries right. to formalize their independence to uh, lots of struggle for sovereignty, right. for independence. But then now we also have seen it emerging uh, with us uh, one focus uh, development. And then there are certainly lots of uh, similarities, but still, we still can see very typical differences in terms of uh, yeah. China, let's let's get to that. Let's get to that. Uh, those differences in just a moment. Let me move on to our guest from Morocco, Dr. Buchiba. You are the president of Africa-China Cooperation Association, for, Cooperation Association for Development. Uh, at a meeting earlier uh, this month, the UN resident coordinator in China mentioned the need to find greater synergies between China's initiatives such as global development and global security and the BRI, for instance, and synergies between Chinese initiatives and UN sustainable development goals. From the experience of Morocco, what are the potential synergies you can think of? Thank you for inviting me. Uh, over the past uh, two decades, China has uh, strengthened its partnership with international organizations such as the United Nations Development Program and also the World Bank. Uh, we remember that at the opening of the 76th session of United Nations General Assembly in September 2021, His Excellency President Xi Jinping proposed the Global Development Initiative. Uh, this initiative uh, is aimed at helping developing countries achieve sustainable development goals of the United Nations 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. 
So if it were some criticism towards the Belt and Road Initiative, the new initiative of development, the global development, came to uh, better serve uh, some aspects that were not covered by the Belt and Road. And these aspects uh, are precisely what's uh, the United Nations 2030 Agenda. Uh, in Morocco, uh, we are working closely in, with China for the medical sector. As you know, since uh, 1975, Morocco uh, received medical assistance uh, from uh, Shanghai, uh, which has become uh, an example of uh, China's foreign assistance. And uh, as we know, in many African countries, uh, the government, uh, after the independence, could not build uh, a strong uh, medical uh, system. So the Chinese aid came uh, to help our government to better serve uh, uh, our citizens, especially that the Chinese medical team always choose the remote areas mm. to offer their services. So I believe that the Chinese initiatives are in uh, perfect uh, harmony with the uh, multi-sided uh, organizations, but also with our uh, African countries' programs. Mm. Mr. Grobler, let me go to you. Um, in the same meeting that I mentioned, which is actually a briefing by Friends of China's Development Initiative that's co-organized by the UN in China and China's mission to the United Nations headquarters in New York, uh, the chairman of China International Development Cooperation Agency, or SICCA, Mr. Luo Zhaohui, had this to say, at the sideline of the meeting. China's Global Development Initiative encompasses our accumulated experience. It is a viable practice and a replicable model. Developing countries around the world have recognized it and hope to benefit from China's modern development model by strengthening exchanges of institutional experience, while also hoping to benefit from China's development. So how do you look at China's approach towards international cooperate, towards international aid, vis-a-vis -vis that of uh, more developed countries in the global north? Thank you. China and Africa has a long, long-standing fraternal relationship. Since the CPC came into power, there has been very close coordination, consultation, based on basically four principles of sincerity, friendship, good faith, and a very important concept, real outcomes. So over this period, uh, China has assisted, increasingly assisted Africa in a number a number of, of, of sectors. Um, health was just mentioned, but there's sectors like infrastructure. Uh, of course, there's, there's trade, there's investment, there's agriculture, huge. Um, there is um, uh, science and technology innovation. I mean, just, these are just a few to mention. And the point was made, and what is so true, that Africa has always 
over the last few decades had a huge admiration for China's development model. And, and that you hear it wherever you go in Africa, that Africa can learn from China in terms of poverty reduction. I mean, what China has achieved in terms of poverty reduction has been totally amazing. What China has done in terms of its economy and so forth. So where we are now, Africa has already benefited greatly from its cooperation with China, based on the fact that we have already benefited so much, but there are so many things that we can continue to learn and share with, with China. And I always, when I travel in Africa, people say to me, you know, the difference is with China, people, China listens to Africa's voice. And in fact, it was said very recently when the Americans came to Africa, several Kamala Harris, the vice president, many others, and uh, the deputy president of Nigeria tweeted, the Chinese come to Africa and they are here where the West doesn't want to be. I am totally very optimistic about the future relationship uh, in the terms of not only foreign aid, but, but economic development, growth uh, on the continent. Dr. Buchiba, what is your um, experience? I mean, you started, you spent more than 20 years in China and you started an investment company with Chinese partners, which specializes in exporting new technology from China to Africa. Um, so how do you look at the way which Mr. Grobler just mentioned, the way how China trades, how China exchange, do exchanges with uh, uh, counterparts in developing countries that are different from um, developing countries, uh, from more developed countries. It, do you also feel similar experiences? Well, just uh, yesterday morning, we received the last results from our experimental farm in the Morocco Sahara Desert, in partnership with Chinese uh, Chengdu uh, Biotechnology for uh, agriculture, and uh, I can assure you that the results are, are just amazing. We are about to spread the, the experience now uh, with other farmers. Many examples successful in Boston since the uh, starting of the initiative of the Baton Road. Uh, let's see um, uh, how uh, about the China AIDS policy. It's very important to go back to the principles behind this uh, aid or this cooperation. So always China has uh, uh, laid its aid policy uh, on the eight principles for foreign economic and technical assistance. This was proposed by China in 1964. We remember the famous... Uh, uh, Prime Minister Zhou Enlai toured in 10 African countries, and it was followed in uh, after the reform era in 1983 by the four principles. So basically, these principles are about equal treatment of each other and sharing of common interests. Uh, and this is very important, as uh, Mr. Ambassador just mentioned, that uh, China always 
choose to go to areas where maybe the West is not present. And this is, we, we have witnesses also in Morocco. So these principles of equal oh, treatment... Yeah, Dr. Bouchipa, just from your yeah. personal experience, why do you think these doctors are going there? Why do Chinese, um, you know, workers go to these areas where nobody go? What, what's driving them? What do you think? Well, I did... I did very thorough research uh, back in 2014 in Sun Yat-sen University about China medical team in Morocco. And uh, I spent a lo lo lot of time with these doctors. Uh, it, it's, it, it was quite different uh, at different areas. It started in 1975, and we know how the contest was very complicated by then. But their uh, motivation was to fulfill uh, at the time, we call it inter uh, international duty. So they came here basically to help. Uh, then, uh, in after the 80s and 90s, uh, the policy has shifted into more cooperation between the medical sectors between Morocco and China. But this international duty uh, uh, volunteer uh, spirit is always present uh, here in Morocco. In we, the China medical team in Morocco is present in eight cities. All the cities are remote. We can say that they are, there is a high level of poverty and uh, they, are, they are working 24-7 to provide uh, high quality uh, medical, uh, mm -hmm. medical service. So I think, oh, I think the principles behind are very important. Mm -hmm. That's uh, 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 let's between uh, Africa and uh, African countries in China, there is uh, uh, respect, mutual respect and equal treatment. And also there is this, uh, if we can call it, ideology behind uh, these uh, this, uh, services that they are offering here in Africa. Uh, what do you mean, the ideology part? Well, the ideology uh, that was laid by the China Communist Party of, uh, of helping other, uh, other, other uh, developing countries to achieve development mm. and to share a precious experience from China's own uh, development path. Mm -hmm. um, Professor Liu, what is your comment uh, upon hearing all of that? I, um, help us understand how does China decide how to carry out a project? For instance, the Moroccan project, you know, what does the Chinese side look for? How do they uh, choose the location where to send the doctors and what do China really want to achieve by carrying out such projects? Thank you for the question. I think uh, both the speakers have uh, really highlighted several very important things. Number one, China's approach has been rather um, rather uh, recipient-oriented in the beginning. And then for now, we also understand that the government announced this principle very clearly. China would never impose anything it wants, rather coming from the recipient side, whatever the African need. From the beginning, it has been the solidarity for their sovereignty, this kind of a need. But then as time goes after African made the independence and the more need about health, social, and then agriculture, anything our two speakers have touched upon. So I think this is also very important. The second reason, a second thing I think the two speakers also highlighted uh, the listening or the willing, willingness to listening. Mm -hmm. This is a totally different. Willingness to listen, yeah. Yeah. 
the 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 uh, Western or uh, OECD DAC they has been also for reading this uh, development as the goal, but the way they deliver development aid has been rather donor oriented. They set up a principle, they set up a modality, they set up a prescriptions yeah, for I the see. developing countries. Yeah. yeah. Well, time is very limited. Let me give the last opportunity to Mr. Grobler. Um, you seem to be very favorable of uh, Chinese projects so far in terms of uh, development cooperation. What about some of the criticisms? How do you look at the criticisms, for instance, uh, debt issue or environmental issue or uh, the fact that not enough local labors are used, so on and so forth? Um, are there areas really to improve which would be these areas and are there just pure attacking China because China is doing uh, real work in Africa? Thank you. Let me just add uh, something which was already alluded to and say that China and Africa understand each other. They are developing countries. China was poor, Africa was poor. We're developing countries. Um, so I think China very clearly understands the challenges and the problems of Africa. And, and that's why they are much better placed to deal with Africa in terms of foreign aid. Mm. But let me come to the criticism. And if you look at what's happening between China and Africa at the moment, the US and the West is playing catch up. The G7 have all kinds of initiatives, whether it's Prosper Africa, whether it's Build Back a Better World, but none of those uh, matches up to what China has done in Africa over the last couple of decades, simply because China and Africa understand each other. They're both developing countries. They both were poor countries. So China understands the challenges of Africa, and that's a huge, huge difference. And on the issue of criticism, I mean, a lot of these things, uh, these, these accusations are groundless. I mean, you take the debt trap uh, accusations against, uh, against, um, against China, and if you look at the facts and you see what China has done to deal with these debt issues, issues like debt management, uh, working through the IMF, making money from the special drawing rights available. So this is all just, in a way, it's a frustration on the part of the West. It's a, a sense of uh, jealousy on the part of the West that they are not making the progress with Africa, with with, with China, uh, that uh, in Africa that China is is doing. So they have neglected. Yeah. They have neglected the okay. continent. So that's the big difference. There was always this commitment, yeah. as I said earlier, on the basis of sincerity, friendship, uh, good faith, and real outcomes. That's the big difference yeah. between the West and the risks of the West and, 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 and China in terms of involvement in yeah. Africa. Well, um, we still have a little bit of time. I want to go back to Professor Liu and talk about the challenges 
moving forward in terms of China's international development cooperation with Africa, with other countries, what is the number one challenge? Keep it in two minutes, please. I guess uh, it's still how to make all your project sustainable because uh, they, there are also learning curves for China's side, and no matter how much as Ambassador Chapon, um the mutual understanding as the footing, still you have to learn much more from the ground. And then also, I think uh, China need also to work together with other partners to help with to address this the development challenges, then how to learn to work with others mm -hmm. is another challenge for right. me. We have to leave it there, unfortunately. But many thanks to Professor Liu Haifang, Director of the Center for African Studies at Peking University, from Rabat, Morocco, Dr. Nasser Bouchiba, President of Africa-China Cooperation Association for Development, or ACAD, and from South Africa, Ambassador Gerd Johannes Grobler, former senior diplomat of South Africa. Thank you so much for your excellent insights. And with that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin, on China's international aid. As usual, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lushin in Beijing. You've got the point. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. The best military commander is not he who fights a hundred battles and wins every one of them. The best military strategy does not lead to the desiccation of the enemy's capital city. Decoding the art of war will help you understand why there is no art in war and how Sun Tzu stayed undefeatable using the science of war with fun stories and insightful breakdown of famous battles. Tune in to Decoding the Art of War on Spotify. The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hamyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America.